Welcome to How I Did It, where coders philanthropy and social capital team find out how successful leaders do what they do in the world of philanthropy and social leadership. Hello, you're listening to David Knowles, head of coders philanthropy and social capital team. In this episode, I'm talking to David Gonski, a philanthropist who's also one of Australia's most influential businessmen. David's chairman of the Australia and New Zealand Banking Group at the moment, and also Chancellor of University of New South Wales, President of the Art Gallery of New South Wales Trust and Chairman of the UNSW Foundation. He was previously a member of the Takeovers panel and has chaired the Sydney Theatre Company, the Australian Securities Exchange Limited, the Guardians of the Future Fund, the Australia Council for the Arts and the Board of Trustees of Sydney Grammar School. You said um, something that interested me there, and I just want to pick up on it, take it in a slightly different direction. When, you said information is power. You, as the chair, have a say in what comes onto the agenda. And here I'll just test something. I I go around and I tell people that if you're going to um, prepare for a board meeting, much of the work, much of the important work that determines the success, whether you're putting in a paper or the chair setting the agenda happens before and the discussions that are held prior to the finalisation of the agenda and then all everybody walking in the room uh, is probably the, one of the biggest determinants of, of success. Um, now if you agree with that um, then I'd love to hear how you how you shape an agenda before a meeting and, and what are the kind of things that you might habitually do before a meeting with the other directors or in some other capacity um, to prepare to make sure you get the good outcome that you want? Well, firstly, David, you're 100% right. Thank you. We can probably the work, end the interview there. <laughs> <laughs> the work done before a meeting is extremely important. And the first thing I would say is where it is just normal day-to-day operations, there's usually a formula that develops and you make sure that the accounts are provided, that there are reports from the uh, director or or whatever, and the finance people report. So there's usually, uh, if you like, uh, some sort of procedure that you can follow, and that's important. I believe as a chairman it's very important to meet with the, if there is a secretary or the finance person, whoever's doing it in the not-for-profit, well before the papers are set out, to determine what the agenda is and indeed what the papers are. That includes checking, maybe with other directors, that they're happy, that the point they made three weeks ago is dealt with, etc., etc. So you've got to have a look back to see who was suggesting things be done and that these things are covered. In terms of major issues, David, I really do quite like the idea of talking between meetings. And, you know, I was going through a procedure the other day Uh, with some of my directors on a particular board, and two of them said, one of the strengths you have is that you're quite interested in what we're saying. Mm. That's victory, because basically they are there not just to warm a seat, but to be involved. So I actually find, I find it fantastic actually to be able to ring up my directors to talk to them. So if we've got a very big issue, I often ring up and say, look, this is coming. Prepare your mind for it, you know, you're going to get all these papers, but you know, if there's anything you think we should put in them, let us know. You know, do you want to know what happens somewhere else? You want to see the world experience? <laughs> That's what we have to do. So I think you're spot on 
work between meetings is vital for the uh, chairman and sometimes for the others involved. <coughs> um, education, David Gonski, synonymous. Uh, how do you feel when you drive down the road and you see your name on the big signs and, and, and um, you see your name in the paper? Are you used to that now or did you get used to that a long time ago? Um, well, look, to begin with, I wasn't used to it. It was quite amazing um, having a name which was, you know, I mean, we came to this country 50-something years ago and we were the first with that name ever and there are not many, there's no mm. one who has that name other than us in Australia that I know of. Um, so it was quite, uh, quite a surprise, but you do get used to it. And by the way, you do get used also to the fact that the name takes on connotations and involvements that have nothing to do with you. And I still remember going to an educational facility which had all these posters behind the lady at the reception which said, I give a Gonski, etc. And I said, uh, I'd like to see Mr. X. And she said, that's good, what's your name? I said, Gonski. And she said, how do you spell that? And I've never forgotten it. She put me in my place. I just assumed, here I am. To her, that was a different issue. I was a person. This was a slogan. I went to a conference, a philanthropy con conference at Parliament House in Canberra a couple of weeks ago, and at the desk I had to register. Uh, and I got to the front of the queue and I said, it's my, she said, sir, the lady said, surname. And I said, Knowles. I said, that's Knowles with a K. And she said, is that K with a K or K with a C? <laughs> Which threw me. That's good. Um, that's... It, so, look, look, education, behind the, the, the public side of it, you mentioned it's a passion. Obviously, it's when I look at you, your life, and um, it's it's really been ever present. It's a, it's a theme that runs all the way through your life. Um, why are you so passionate about that, and particularly when it comes to nonprofit work and philanthropy? Well, let me firstly just say, in relation to education, why I'm so passionate about it is very simple. It wasn't um, something that took me a long time in my life to see that my dear grandfather, who was a lovely man, but who had no education, struggled the entirety of his life to feed his family. He sold uh, cloth door to door. Um, he, he had a tough time. Um, whereas he and his wonderful wife um, basically poured a lot of money into the education of their son, who, as I said earlier, became a brain surgeon. Mm. And not only was his life much more fulfilling and much easier, but so was his children, namely mine. Mm. So I definitely saw firsthand and understand how the fact that you're educationally disadvantaged doesn't mean you're dumb. And accordingly, we must do something about that, not just for the person, and I watched my dear dad do so wonderfully well, but also for the community. His efforts were fantastic, and his efforts, in my opinion, uh, justified totally the uh, money spent on either him from by the state or alternatively by his family and his friends. Looking back again at what's happening in the non-profit sector, what do you see... Well, let, let me rephrase that. As the chair of a board of a non-profit, you've obviously got to look at what's happening inside the organisation, but at the same time, out and over the horizon. And uh, certainly at CODA, a lot of the work we've been doing is, with, with non-profit boards has been encouraging them to look, look over the horizon and see what's coming, because we anticipate a lot of change. Um, 
the, the, the extent, the pace, um, and the nature of change is, is quite profound. What, what do you see when you look to and over the horizon? Um, and, and what could you share that, that uh, you think might be relevant or important for other non-profit directors to be thinking about? Well, the first thing is that, and this goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier, um, is that I've seen a change over time that going on not-for-profit boards used to be the thing you did, accolades come with it, it's respectability and so on. We are passing that. These are now very serious boards. These are now wonderfully challenging boards. And you bring your whole all to being a director. And by the way, I think there's a recognition, particularly for those younger than me, that it's an all that really you can enjoy even more than your day-to-day -day job. That's the first thing. The second thing is we're now starting to educate, as you know, people for the not-for-profit space. We're now starting to get research in that area. It's becoming quite a well-written-up and well-exposed and discussed area of the economy. And it's a big area of the economy, mm. as we know. So I think we're going to become much better in how we deliver services and indeed deal with the problems that not-for-profits deal with. The third thing is I think that it's part of the economy that people are realising is very important. We used to pay some lip service to it, now we see it's very important. It can employ lots of people, it can solve many of the problems in society, mm -hmm. and as I said earlier about education, it can solve a lot of uh, uh, the uh, discrepancies between people and the productivity of nations. So I think it's terribly exciting. So I see a much more energised sector with much more focus and indeed better learnings. And uh, I think, as I say, I, I think the not-for-profit space is some of the most exciting stuff I've seen in my life. Mm. And I think you can expect that to continue. Mm. And obviously the boards have got um, a critical role to play <clears throat> going forward. When we, when we think about the role of the board again, um, and just take the broader, the broader, sec the, the broader um, environment that, that non-profits operate in. Impact is really um, a vogue concept. What is your impact? Demonstrate your impact. Give me evidence of your impact. When, when it comes to the board, how do you think about assessing its own impact? Which is, I think, a really important um, process for boards to participate in, what it, looking at their own impact, and, and in some way to, to measure and assess. How do you think about that, and do you have any um, processes or, or philosophies that you tend to follow in the non-profit space? Yeah, well, firstly, can I say I totally agree that particularly in relation for not to not-for-profits, when you go on a board, the question of what impact you're going to have is important. Mm. Maybe it's not quite as important, by the way, in the for-profit space, mm -hmm. because profit often delineates the impact you've had. Not always, but it, it, it can. Mm -hmm. So now we go back to the not-for-profits. I always tell people who go on not-for-profits that they should have a personal goal in what they want to achieve for themselves by going on that board. Is it that they you know, want to get involved in music or they want to get involved in education? That's fine. Mm. But what do they actually want to achieve in the period they're there? Yeah. And I often question myself 
what are you doing there, what do you want to do, and so on. So you should have personal goals. I think the board as a whole must also monitor impact. And this is, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot's been written about recently, but it's terribly important to take the most wonderful sector, not-for-profit, away from just being the cake stall, and there's nothing wrong with a cake stall, mm. but just being a cake stall or just being a group of people who want to do a good thing. You've got to work out what impact you want to achieve, how you're going to test that, and indeed what victory is. And by the way, the one thing which I think we've got to develop is once we've achieved victory, what's the next victory? Because you can't coast. And I think that's terribly important and definitely a function of the board as a whole. How do you know when it's time to move on yourself? Uh, let's say you've, you, you may have achieved that, um, that legacy uh, goal that you set for yourself, um, but often it won't be that clear cut. When, when, outside of um, term limits, when do you know it's time to move on? When, when should people think about moving on? Look, I have to say that it is a decision that I find very difficult. And indeed, um, you know, I'm a stayer. I stay a mm. long time. Um, and people can say, you know, whether that's good or bad. But I do think that um, one needs to think about what one's adding. One needs to ask the question, is one getting stale? One may need also to ask the question whether, in fact, it might be time to take what you can bring somewhere else. And I also think there's a great uh, benefit in change as time goes on. Mm. What the years should be, I don't know. All I can tell as an older person now is the years go by very quickly. And it is very, very um, you know, enticing to overstay, mm. and one shouldn't. How do you have that conversation as the chair with um, a director, if you, whether it's a, uh, a performance issue or a cultural alignment issue or, or, or otherwise? I'm interested in the how, because again, that's a skill, isn't it? Um, it's also part of the job, but how do you the, do it? The most important thing, in my opinion, for a chair is to talk regularly and often to one's directors, to gauge where they are, whether they're happy with the way you chair, it's a good start, whether they're happy with the way the organisation's going. In my experience, the coming, which we didn't used to do, but which everybody does now, of in-camera sessions, where it's only the directors and the chair, are very important and regular, they should be. Mm. The second thing is maybe once a year, or if you use an outsider, maybe once every two years, a session where you just sit down, director and chair, and talk it through. And in those sessions, I always run it two ways. The first I say, are you happy being there? And we talk about your position as the director. And then I say, well, what about me? Are you happy that I'm a chair? Now, that's a very hard thing <laughs> for someone to say, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, if you can detect in the person whether they're just saying that or whether they really mean it. Um, David, advice for first-time non-profit directors and non-profit chairs. Start with the, the director as opposed to the chair, first of all. If you had somebody, I'm sure you've had this conversation actually, uh, practically, who, who's taken it on for the first time, what's your, what's your advice? Well, the first thing, uh, I'd go right back to even before they've taken it on. This is a great thing to do. I mean, if I look at my life, you know, it's interesting if you ask me what are the things I've really enjoyed in my life. 
I get to about four or five before I get to a for-profit thing. <laughs> I just have enjoyed, yeah. I've been let into things that really I should uh, have never been allowed to do. It's just wonderful. The arts, education, and even medical sciences and, and health. Great things to contribute to. I loved it. So my first piece of advice is do it. Mm. Enjoy it. The second thing is choosing. Often people choose for all sorts of reasons, and that's up to them. But my advice, and I have made the mistake, is do not choose things you don't have a passion for. It's different that, you know, this is not the way you earn your money. This is not basically something that, you know, you're entering into because you have to. This should be something where you actually think through, do I have a passion for the not-for-profit I'm going for? If you have a passion, everything will become, in my opinion, easier. Mm. It's easier to go to their functions. It's easier to read all the stuff you have to read. It's easier to give up that uh, you know, night out with whatever because you've got to go to the meeting because it's part of your passion. Mm. So I'd follow one's passion. Once on the board, I think, firstly, if you're a new director, there is nothing wrong with listening and seeing how things go. Do not feel compelled to have, you know, a fight on your first meeting or whatever. But on the other hand, you don't have to sit there for long and do, you know, uh, your penance. That's not the idea. You're there to uh, give your, your thinking and it's to be involved. So I think you just learn your own skills. And if you're like me, you watch and listen. You asked earlier about one's skill as a, as a chairman. As I said, I had to learn it. And I learned from some of the best. Mm. And I took the bits of chairmanship that appealed to me from each of them and put it into the way I do things. Mm. Time management, nurturing people, being involved in basically trying to move on and have an impact as a board. These are all things I learned from others. So I would be listening, contributing as required, and particularly contributing where you think you know a little bit more. Mm. Is, that, is, that, um, is that idea of taking a portfolio of things you've learned from other people rather than saying, I'm just going to be like that person, is that, is that, do you think, really important when you look back, that you, that you take on those things but you build it around a style that works for you? I think absolutely. I think the first thing I would say is there is nobody who is perfect. Nobody. So the first thing I would say is you should judge what appeals to you as good practice and which is consistent also with the way you are. I mean, it is not great for me to jump up and down and smash tables and so on. You know, most people are bigger than me anyway. Um, it's, not, it's a bit pointless. So that's not a good tactic. Mm. I don't think it's a good tactic anyway, by the way. But um, I learn the things that suit me. The second thing I would say, David, is different techniques work in different circumstances. So, you know, if you've seen that somebody making a little bit more noise got the interest, that might be a tactic you should put in the back of your mind. You do it, obviously, politely. Never lose your cool, because that puts you in a difficult position. Mm. But at the same time, you might have learned that was the way somebody dealt with an unruly mob or whatever at a meeting. And just 
put it in your mind. Don't have to use it every time, mm. but can keep it. Just pull it out at the right time. Correct. Yeah. And so the advice for the first time chair, you've been on a board, you've been uh, a director, um, and then you, you, you're given uh, the role of the chair. What's the advice there? I think the advice as, as the new chairs, firstly, possibly to go and talk to the other directors early and get a clear idea of what mission they're expecting you to take on because that makes it easier. And as time goes on as a chair, you pick it up anyway. But be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. Mm. Use the lessons that one talked about. But be conciliatory. You know, you do not need to dominate a meeting to be successful. In fact, the most successful meetings I've ever had have been where everybody thought they had contributed, everybody had done their bit, and actually I'd sat there and coordinated the whole thing, brought it together at the end without pushing a particular angle. And how do you wrap it all up when you, when you bring it together? Um, how do you do that? I think you do need a bit of a good memory. And, you know, I don't know what happens as the years go by, but to date I've had enough of a memory to remember what David Knowles has said, to remember what David Gonski said, etc., and to bring it together. I have seen some chairs write down a few notes. I haven't had to do that yet, but as, you know, if that does happen to me, as Mm. the memory fails as you get a bit older, I will note it down Mm. and then, you know, get to that and and use it. But I would always emphasise, listen and hear. Fantastic. Well, I've enjoyed listening to you and um, I think it's very kind of you to give us your time and I'm sure that what you've said will be hugely valuable to all those people who are out there uh, either thinking of joining a non-profit board or currently working or or chairing one. Um, It's a really, really important role, I think, and and non-profit boards are becoming more and more active in the contribution they make towards their organisations. So this is really valuable and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. That's it for this episode of How I Did It. For more from Coda, visit codacapital.com or email philanthropy at codacapital.com.